joyful sound that passing of the peace always is. It's <laughs> I love it. Um, thanks, Melissa. Um, let's get started. Welcome, everybody. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. To get started, I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying that today's scripture, I think, is a good example of when the text can still be of service service to us, even when we don't agree with what it says. <laughs> and I have come to believe that this is an important practice to challenge scripture, um, even though it is scary. Um, and so. We're going to do a little bit of that today. We're also going to do things a little bit differently. We have our kiddos with us today. I'm going to read, I'm going to start today by reading the text in full. Um, and I think you will all, all recognize that it's not a, a terribly difficult text to interpret. Kind of what you see is what you get. And it's not great. Um, I'm going to share a little bit of um, information and where I sit with it. And then we're actually going to do to practice a therapeutic activity um, that I do with some of my patients that I was excited to invite the kids in the group uh, into the space because they have been doing a lot of work recently about feelings and emotions. Um, and it felt like it was building on some of the stuff that they've been doing. And so um, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to give a quick little warning before I read the text. The author, Kohelis, today has some unfriendly words, um, particularly around stillbirth. And so if that is a topic that is difficult for you to hear, I like at this point, it's probably not going to be super fun to walk out in front of everybody, but do whatever it is that you need to do. Zone out, like scroll your phone, get on Facebook, play a TikTok out loud. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but he, yeah, he just has some words that that were hard for me to read, and I am not a parent, and so, um, yeah, just know that. I'm going to read from the Hebrew Bible today. Um, it's a little, just the, the way it is written is a, I like it a little bit better. So, this is Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and 7 up through um, verse 14. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it is heavy on humankind. A man whom God gives wealth and possessions and honor and he lacks nothing for himself of all his desire, and God does not grant him to enjoy it, for a stranger will enjoy it. This is mere breath and an evil sickness. If a man begot a hundred children and lived many years, and many were the days of his life, he might not yet be sated with good things, and even a burial he might not have. I said, better than he is the stillborn, for in mere breath did it come, and into darkness it goes, and in darkness its name is covered. The very sun it did not see or know, more ease for it than for him. And were he to live a thousand years twice over, yet good things he did not enjoy, does not everything go to a single place? All a man's toil is for his own mouth, yet his appetite will not be filled. For what advantage has the wise over the fool? What good is it for the man, poor man to know how to get around among the living? Better what the eyes see than desire going around. This, too, is mere breath and hurting the wind. What has already been called by name is known, as he is man and cannot deal with one more powerful than he. 
for there are many words that increase mere breath. What is the advantage for man? For who knows what is good for man in life, in his days of mere breath, for, her, for he spends them like a shadow. He can tell man what will be after him under the sun. Better a good name than good oil in the day of death than the day one is born. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of carousing. For that is the end of all men. Let the living take it to heart. Better worry than merriment, for by a scowl the heart is gladdened. The wise man's heart is in the house of mourning, and the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Better to hear the rebuke of the wise than a man hearing the song of fools. For like the sound of thorns beneath the pot, so is the laughter of the fool. And this, too, is mere breath. For oppression's profit drives the wise man wild, and a bribe destroys the mind. Better a thing's end than its beginning. Better patience, patience than haughtiness. Do not be rash in your mood to be angry, for anger rests in the lap of fools. Say not what has happened, that the days gone by were better than these. For you ask not about this in wisdom. Better wisdom with a legacy, it is an advantage to those who see the sun. For in wisdom's shade is money's shade, and the gain of wisdom's knowledge keeps its possessors alive. See God's work, for who can straighten what he has made crooked? On the day of good luck, enjoy the good, and on the day of evil, see one another, see against the other God has set, so that man finds nothing after him. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes I hate saying that afterwards. <laughs> okay. In chapter six and seven today, Koheleth um, continues to share his frustration about the idea that material possessions and wealth bring peace and happiness. It's another chapter, like chapter three, no, chapter two, where it's like money can't buy happiness, and he's like frustrated by it and really upset and he just has to keep talking about it and it gets honestly a little wearisome but he also is a little confusing because while he spends most of chapter six talking about this frustration in chapter seven he starts to list many things as good or tov and they feel a little contradictory um because he says like better to go to a funeral than to like go to a, a joyful place. Better to do these hard things than to feel these, like, I don't know, happy things. I found solace in this point in Lisa Michelle Wolf's comments that while the author doesn't say in this text that we should just eat, drink, and be merry, we all may need a drink after reading it. <laughs> I, re- I like to think that um, Lisa Michelle Wolf would really love the title of our, <laughs> our sermon series. Um, in the end... I simply found myself in a place of disagreement with Kohelet for some of his conclusions. A place that, I'll admit, is still frightening to be one of any disagreement with Scripture. And yet this passage, as I was reading it, was clearly not written with me in mind. Wolf's commentary helps us recognize the lack of consideration for women and children by the author, given his comments about the children a man would bear. A woman in this equation is completely invisible, and children are simply possessions. And I think it's valid to name the ways the author just didn't consider anyone outside of himself. And so I'm going to stick with that personal response. 
But in the very last verse that we read, the author reminds us to try and be joyful when there is joy, even though adversity comes to us in other times. Kohelet's argument that God brings both joy and adversity is not one that I would make. It's clearly Kohelet, and I have different theological perspectives on the control of God. Yet he makes an important point. Joy and adversity both come to us, whether God creates those moments or not. And God is present in them, even if not created by them. It's important for us to fully experience what comes to us, whether that is joy or difficulty. This is um, probably the hardest thing that I have to do during the week with um, the people I work with. If, if you don't know me during the week, I am a therapist. And the hardest thing that I do often is teach my patients to be present in the moment, to not be worrying about what will to come or ruminating on what has happened. And that is what I feel like Kohelet is challenging us to do today. So I'd like to practice doing that. There is a therapy skill in practice that often gets taught to folks that are in dialectical behavioral therapy, which is a type of therapy used for some very specific diagnoses, but I find it very helpful for just about everyone. And the practice is called self-validation. Essentially, when you're happy, you let yourself be happy. And when you're feeling a different way, you let yourself feel that way too. So often, like I said, when we have been through a trauma or a difficulty, when we get to this point, like Kahalath is, that is like a concern that what he has accomplished is not worth anything. We just start to worry. We can't actually be present to our own experience. This anticipation or rumination keeps us from anything that is good or hove. So let's try it, okay? What I'd like for everyone to do is sit in a comfortable position. We're just going to jump in. I'm not going to tell you how to sit. I have noticed recently that a lot of times body-based practices say sit with your feet on the floor, all the, and they feel, I've recognized them as like a little um, um, ableist. Like not everybody is able to do some of those prompts, and so I just want you to be comfortable in your body right now. And we are going to try and just observe how we feel, okay? Observe how your body feels and try to notice what emotion might be prevalent. It doesn't have to be an intense emotion, although, you know, eventually this would be a helpful practice to do when you are feeling uh, overwhelmed um, with a particular emotion. There are three steps to this exercise, okay? The first step is acknowledging. You're simply going to acknowledge the emotion that you're experiencing right now without judging it. Just put a name to whatever you're feeling right now. If you feel sad, then repeat that sentence to yourself without getting lost in the self-deprecating train of thought. Instead of saying to yourself, I'm always feeling sad, I'm so weak and unworthy of anything because I, can, I can't ever pick myself up, simply acknowledge the fact that the emotion is there. I'm feeling sad. Step two is allowing. This step focuses on reminding yourself it's okay to experience any emotion. 
You're allowed to feel whatever you feel right now or in an overwhelming situation that makes you feel anything intense. Consider some of these statements uh, that you can use to get in a headspace for allowing yourself to let the emotion be. It's okay to feel the way I do right now. You could be happy. Sometimes some of us don't believe that we're allowed to feel happy, but you are. I am allowed to experience this emotion. Allowing myself to feel this way doesn't mean I have to behave accordingly. This will pass, but for now, this emotion is here. Perhaps you're experiencing an uncomfortable emotion because I'm making you do this with me, but it's not going to hurt you. Just let it be. Take a breath and choose a statement that allows you to sit with the emotion that has come up for you this morning. understanding. The last step is meant to help you create a context for the emotion you're feeling. Many of us don't always try to stop, don't always stop to try and understand why we feel the way we feel. In this step, take your time to think about the past events that have led you to experience this particular emotion. Don't judge yourself. Just think about the objective facts that formed the context you're in right now. If you say to yourself, I was just being dumb, and that created my feeling of anger. Those are not facts. But you're judging yourself. Instead, you could say, it's no surprise that I feel angry, since I always think that people will abandon me if they don't return my call. Take a deep breath. come back to the room. I think that while Kohelis says a lot of things and um, experiences the world very differently than I do, and perhaps than a lot of people do, it is possible to meet him where he's at in this moment. That joy feels unattainable because he's recognized some of the difficulties that he's going to encounter. He does not explain that in a very good way <laughs> for a lot of people. But I certainly have felt that way <laughs> before. I have felt that maybe I won't ever be happy again because I'm just waiting for the next bad thing to happen. Or I can't stop thinking about the bad thing that already happened. On the opposite end, I've also not allowed myself to feel angry <laughs> when something really valid happens to make me angry. Instead, I've shamed myself for it and said I don't deserve that either. And I think Kohala says, God's with you in both of those things. I don't believe that God creates those experiences for us, but I do believe that God is with us in those experiences. And I think Kohala reminds us of that today. I'm going to just end by encouraging us 
to practice these things often. Not just when you're overwhelmed by an emotion, but like any time. Like if you're driving in the car, like just take a moment to check in with yourself. It is not easy. I have patients that set alarms for their watches. <laughs> so it's just a reminder to check in and say, how do I feel right now? They're allowed to do that. Kohelis may be in a different theological space than any of us, but I think recognizing this passage, recognizing in this passage that our emotional experience is important, that God is with us in it, so we don't have to distance ourselves from whatever we're feeling. We praise you. Loving God, it is difficult for me, and I imagine for many others, to remember that you are present when I feel angry or sad. To imagine that you are only there when we feel joy or peace. Sometimes it might be difficult for us to feel those things too, to worry that we don't deserve it or it's going to be short-lived. As we enter this season where we watch death all around us, trees changing colors, let us be reminded that these difficult moments are still good. When we feel you in our grief and in our joy and know that you are present with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.